Okay. We're in. We're live. What up? We mistakenly, literally, took two weeks off. I think we took two weeks off. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah. By the time we, this comes out, yes. Yeah, we um, we were going to switch formats a little bit, but then I remembered that last year we did a whole kind of theme for the month of October, and we started this kind of break right at the beginning of October. Uh, so we went ahead and just record. We're, we're recording this one, and we're going to do the rest of October, I think, and then we'll actually switch format to kind of more long form, like a few episode series about one topic. Quick note. I will not. I will not be available for the next two episodes. Okay. Um, it's getting murdered. Yeah. <laughs> got a got a wedding Spooky next weekend, season. and then something else oh. important the next weekend. Oh. Oh, I have a wedding this month. <laughs> uh, oh, but it's on. Oh. It's on a Saturday. It's on a Saturday. It's so. right. getting married. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh yes. crap! I forgot. <laughs> Greg and I are getting married this yeah, month. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we totally uh. forgot. Uh, but I, I'll just bring the gear with me. And I'll yeah. record in Wisconsin again. Yeah, in the middle of the wedding, please. The first thing we're going for here, we got a little, we've all got a little something, a little something, something. They're all linked with one theme, one central theme, and that is islands, generally speaking. They've all got a spooky island theme. Is that right? And not like Hawaiian island. I just mean literally islands. Yes. Is everything I've said so far correct? Yes. Yep. I feel like I'm losing my mind. Nope. Nope. Okay. <clears throat> You're right there. Yeah, I get. I don't. I'm trying to figure out what to say. <laughs> um, so, Greg is Greg has got the meat and potatoes of the episode. Greg has a little something called Heart Island that I think we've talked about briefly. Uh, at some point in previous episodes that is very similar to the small island of Paveglia that Dan and I talked about in one short, weak, miserable episode. <laughs> um, the first one we had multiple <laughs> topics on, I think, but it was a real <laughs> a real dud of a test run. Um, and then, Dan, you have something about Tasmania. Yeah, Port Arthur, right? Tasmania. Port Arthur, Tasmania. Paul has something called Snake Island that I am dying to hear about. <laughs> And I'm talking about some disappearances in the Flannan, Flannan Island Lighthouse in Scotland. Dan, I believe you are starting off first. Are you ready to do that? Ready and raring to go. Then uh, rip it and grip it, bud. No, it's the... Shit. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> yeah. no, don't go ripping before you grip. Uh, all right, so Port Arthur, Tasmania, uh, for everybody is in Australia. It's a pretty decent sized island off of the southern coast of Australia. And what you need to know about Port Arthur is that it was a former convict settlement. Basically, you know, the whole country was where they was where the British stuffed their prisoners. Uh, but this was a really popular place in Australia to do that. Why? Uh, because of its insane reputation. Okay. Was it like Tortuga or something? It, it was known as the hardest 19th century prison in the world. Okay. Um, and like at at its time, right, in the, in the 19th century. Yeah. Uh, the absolute worst offenders from the uh, British Empire went there or were sent there, and it had notoriously strict security measures, 
and it was just absolutely isolated from the rest of the world, right? It was on an island off of Australia, which is a very sparsely populated place to begin with. And the land was just desolate. It, it was just, it just screamed death. Also, unfortunately, in 1996, it was the location of Australia's uh, deadliest gun massacre. Yeah. Well, oh, it was, man. I mean, listen, Australia, right? So this was like the mass shooting in Australia that spurred Australia into banning, um, doing a bunch of weapons bans. Yo. <laughs> Just. <laughs> I, my, my tongue was held. Play it. Play it safe, Greg. Well, no, no, I didn't have anything I, much to say. But I didn't even. I know. Think I'm just well, saying that I, one I, through. Plenty I could say, I suppose. But yeah, that's pretty much accurate. Although there are. That's an example now, of now. ripping it before you grip it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So the there origin of Port Arthur comes. Uh, it was just like a small timber station, basically. Let's chop down a bunch of trees and load them onto ships and not do anything else here. Um, but between 1833 and 1877, it was used as this basically like prison colony. There were like a dozen buildings, all different prisons, and there was an insane asylum, um, which mostly they sent people there after they tortured them in prison. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So although Port Arthur treated a majority of the prisoners in like pretty typical ways, just, you know, lock them up, throw away the key, and use them for labor... Um, they were also, they were also really known for like their psychological punishment of the prisoners. Like they, they would do like sensory deprivation there, and you know, twenty three hours a day, isolation for a month at a time for people. Like guards would walk around with like fabric on their feet and they use sign language just to like totally deprive people of, you know. They'd have like a hood over their heads so they couldn't see. They went really hard with this. Yeah, that's crazy. I would never see that happening nowadays at all. That's, that's so for sure. strange. <laughs> yeah, I where else could definitely they do that? No military bases have ever ever done that. Definitely, definitely. not yeah. on an island either. Yeah, it definitely didn't feel like an island. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> no beach time for them. Yeah, uh, no beach time for them. <laughs> they also had the very first um well probably only prison for boys um because they had kids as young as nine years old that they sent here to what this prison what could a nine-year-old do murder. what could a nine-year-old possibly do that would get them sent to van diemen's land lots of murder i guess or I be know. like a cholera super spreader i don't know being australian i don't so on top of like the desolate land surrounding it, there the the water there was just ice cold. It was horribly shark infested too. So like a ton of people trying to escape were drowned or eaten by sharks. With all of that torture going on and you know botched escape attempts, there there was really like no good way to go. And so a lot of prisoners either like killed themselves or committed murder so that they would be put to death and so smart kind of smart play yeah i mean (laughs) depending on how they put you to death um yeah the sharks that's what they were for oh no um so between 1830 and 1877 
there were an estimated 1,600 deaths in from the prisons. And all of those bodies are buried on one even tinier island just off Tasmania called the Isle of the Dead. Go figure. Yeah. So this place is obviously haunted, and they do ghost tours and stuff nowadays. And so I found a blog from somebody who attended not just the ghost tour, but there's like an after-hours ghost hunt experience. So I, I took a couple of lines from his blog so I could read to you just somebody describing just being there. No prisoners, but after dark. Okay, so he's there are these two like ghost hunt guides to give you some context, and here, here he goes. Armed with a night vision video camera, I tentatively pushed open a door and entered a small bedroom with a lone, creepy-looking rocking chair. Uneasy doesn't do justice to the sphincter-gripping terror I'm experiencing, <laughs> so I start filming, praying with all my heart that nothing jumps out or moves. <laughs> From his sphincter, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, blah, 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 more stuff happens. Um the two ghost hunt guides say like, oh, well, there's, there's this other wing in the, um, the insane asylum, right? Like the psych ward that is notorious for sightings and paranormal experiences. So let's go check it out. So they go to this complex and, and again, he talks about like the sort of, you know, prisoners were kept in solitary confinement in thick walled cells 23 hours a day where they wore felt slippers and used sign language to ensure there was no sound. Once a week, prisoners attended church but wore masks and were kept in total isolation in separate cuticles. Unsurprisingly, many ended up going mad. Sounds a lot like the Eastern State Penitentiary. Kind of. Like the isolation, you mean? Yeah, all that. The masks, the soft shoes, mm-hmm. no noise. Ah. Well, yeah. how Australian old was the Eastern version. State Penitentiary? Like, were they the ones who started it, do you think? Because I know they were pretty old. Kind of, yeah. It's where the term penitentiary came from. Ah. It's like penitent. You had to be like, it was all quiet, and you had to think about what you did. Um, <clears throat> I think it coined the term penitentiary. Oh, okay, gotcha. So the last last couple of lines I'll steal from this guy's blog. He, you know, they, they go to this hot, active area. They film and do all random ghost hunting stuff. And he says, we, reconv- we reconvene and the ghost hunt guide informs us that this is one of the most active parts of the prison for really, like, unexplained reasons. And the guide tells them about another visitor on a tour that she was guiding who suddenly, like, grabbed their throat like they were choking and the guide said when he pulled his hand away from his throat there were these huge welt scratches across his neck so how about that paul it's pretty spooky stuff (laughs) i see you you watch those shows dan (laughs) what do you watch like ghost hunting shows dan no i'm not into it whatsoever i'm just really trying to play it up yeah okay Yeah, yeah that's fine so, anyways, um, there's a couple of pictures that'll be on the Instagram posts that we do for this episode that I think are really cool, but also kind of communicate the creepiness of this place. That's it. Mine's going to be a boring picture, so I'm <laughs> glad you have a good one. 
Mine's going to be bad. Yeah. Who's going next? Same. I'll go next. Have I talked about this before? Or did you know about this, Dan? No. Or did you? were you just like remembering that I said it when you said, oh, yeah? Just remembering just, that you said it. I just read the first location. Or sorry, the first line, which contains the location. Yeah. This is already, this is already off to a good start. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so uh, what Greg noticed is that this is off the western coast of Scotland. Good location for a creepy island. Yeah. What helps is this is in the year 1900, which is a very creepy year. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I bet living back there back then sucked. I remember. Not particularly the date of the event in question, but we're going to be starting on the 18th of December of 1900 when a steamboat named the Arctor uh, docks in Leith, Scotland uh, after a voyage from Philadelphia. And the steamer, once they're all docked, the captain reports to the Northern Lighthouse Board that three days prior, on the 15th, they had passed the Flannan Isles during some pretty nasty weather, but the lighthouse was not on. The lamp was not on, and so that was kind of like... Could have been concerned, could have been tattling. I don't know exactly how, um, you know, the lighthouse kind of culture was back then. The snitch. Uh, either way, either way, they decided uh, they're, you know, either something's wrong or these people need to be relieved of duty. And so they went to send some relief, the relief lightkeeper, lighthouse keeper, because there are three at a time and then a rotating fourth who would kind of be the, you know, change over until another three arrived. There would be one guy there. But this guy could not leave right away because there were such bad storms. Wasn't able to leave until the 26th, eight days later. Now, they arrive at the lighthouse. And at the time, the lighthouse was manned by three men, James Ducat, Thomas Marshall, and William MacArthur. And things were a little strange from the beginning. When they arrived, some things were off. There were empty supply boxes on the dock, like ready to be restocked, but nobody had come out to meet them, and the flagstaff did not have a flag on it. They blew the ship's whistle and fired a flare, which was the signal to come out, but nobody came out. So the relief lighthouse keeper, Joseph Moore, went onto the island himself to kind of figure out what was going on and saw that the gate and the main door were closed, remember that the gate and the main door were closed the gate and the main door were closed <laughs> the beds were not made the clock had not been wound so it completely stopped and now remember there were three men there was a single pair of oil skins on the hooks and those are the you know like yellow oh. uh gordon's fisherman type <laughs> uh rain gear so there's three men but one is not didn't have a oil skin so the exploratory group from the NLB, the Northern Lighthouse Board, didn't really know what to do, so they sent a telegram to HQ, and the telegram reads as follows. A dreadful accident has happened at the Flannans. The three keepers, Ducat, Marshall, and the occasional, who is uh, Tom, uh, William MacArthur. I don't know why they call him the occasional. He doesn't even get a name. Maybe that's like a lesser uh, <laughs> <laughs> title. <laughs> Have disappeared from the island. Clocks were stopped, and other signs indicated that the accident must have happened about a week ago. Poor fellows, they must have been blown over the cliffs or drowned trying to skewer a crane. God. 
the western landing that they had landed on, or no, I'm sorry, the eastern landing that they had landed on was fine. Nothing seemed weird, but they ended up going to the west side of the island where there's another landing, and uh, things were pretty beat up. So it was clear that a storm, a very serious storm had hit because, like, grass had been ripped off the edge of a cliff and tossed, like, 30 feet. Iron railings were bent. Oh. And there was a 2,000-pound rock that had been moved several feet. The investigation that ended up following described the damages as difficult to believe unless actually seen. Which, like, because what is, did wind bend the iron? I don't... Uh, yeah, I don't get know that. about that. Yeah, Blow something into Perhaps it. boulders or something? I mean... Uh, yeah, I guess that, that bit very heavy rock, I don't know. Who knows? Ghosts. Now, yeah, it, well, exactly. Because it's 1900, um, everybody's stupid. <laughs> so the kind of conjecture <laughs> going around is the main things were... Uh, I, I love I love one of these because the townsfolk kind of had their own ideas about what was going on, and the the four big theories were a a sea creature or very large bird had taken. Them. <laughs> oh, absolutely! That's, that's um, that very uh, um, Bioshock infinite, yeah. infinite the giant <laughs> yeah. bird. Yeah. <laughs> um, they had all ditched the lighthouse keeping job to run away to start a new life. Um. Ghosts on a ghost ship had killed them. <laughs> or, and this is my favorite, they were abducted by spies. Because, <laughs> like, what information could you possibly glean as spies from lighthouse keepers? All they do is turn on a light. <laughs> like, what, they don't have state secrets. I don't get it. Yeah, but also... Where I mean, is all the whale sp- oil? <laughs> <laughs> it's either spies or... A big animal from above or a big animal from below? I mean, right, yeah. Or ghosts. It's not much to choose from. Yeah. yeah. So the Lighthouse Board starts a formal investigation on the 29th of December where they send NLB Superintendent Robert Muirhead. M-U-I-R. He shows you like who you Muirhead, really are. Who had personally recruited all three Lighthouse <laughs> Keepers, actually. And he conducted the investigation. And this is the guy who said the damages were difficult to believe unless actually seen. Now, I'll read his report. From evidence which I was able to procure, I was satisfied that the men had been on duty up till dinner time on Saturday, the 15th of December, that they had gone down to secure a box in which the mooring ropes, landing ropes, etc., were kept, and which was secured in a crevice in the rock about 110 feet above sea level. And they had, and like because of the storm, they wanted to get these supplies in. And that an extra large sea, and I guess that means wave, had rushed up the face of the rock, had gone above them, and coming down with immense force, had swept them completely oh away. Oh my God, 110 feet? Yeah. Well, and since there was one set of oil skins still in there, his line of thinking was that two of them had gone out to get the box once the storm picked up, but this was kind of a known issue that the, the waves would, you know, go way up and kind of bounce back out of a cave right behind where that box was. So he thought that maybe that third guy just ran out without putting on stuff to be like, don't get it, too dangerous, but then also met with the same fate. And that was accepted as what happened for quite a while. Well, and it's still technically the official reasoning. Mm. 
but there's been a lot of talk about what has happened since, and a lot of it is total uh, bullshit, and I didn't even bother including it. <laughs> but there was one thing that is a very good point. If that guy ran out so quickly that he didn't even put on his oil skin in a storm, why were both the gate and the front door closed mm. when people arrived? Yeah, like he wouldn't That's close all I, himself yeah. out. Right. And they're not like like the wind wouldn't have just closed the door, closed the gate. I, I mean, I can't imagine a situation. Like, think about how a lighthouse, it, like, you'd have to force air in the top of the lighthouse to, like, pressurize the inside of the building, wouldn't it? Because no. the like, wind rushing towards it would just blow the door open again. Unless it like bounced back and closed itself. Well, I guess it depends if the door opens out or opens in. True. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't and picturing also, the gate as part of the building either. I was picturing picturing that as like a fence type. Yeah, thing. I was going to say, and also like a gate from the, those times. Like I can't imagine that was like a like one of those gates where when you close it, it locks itself. Mm. You know, oh, yeah. probably has like some sort of thing that like flops over or something like yeah. that. They probably would have to be manually mm. manipulated. It was Good the big point. bird. It was. It probably had to be. Yeah, yeah, a very careful bird. big bird. Yeah. It was actually a big ghost spy bird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hate it when that happened. Flew over from Germany. Yeah, who had run away from his previous. Been, yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> I mean, then what else can you find out, you know? Yeah. And those three, yeah. there's no, they probably just got, like, washed out to see. Well, I was going to say, yeah, they didn't find any bodies or anything. No, never. It's the North Sea. I don't imagine they would. Yeah. Where is yeah. that? What are we talking about? West Coast nope. of Scotland. Oh, yeah, that's right. Do you think that lighthouse is still operational? We should go visit. It is not operational, but it is still there. Even better. They probably just don't even have them anymore, huh? Lighthouse keepers, for the most part. It's probably, probably like one old. dude who like goes around to several lighthouses to make sure they're still on. <laughs> yeah. Maintenance. Yeah. yeah. I feel like there are probably more parks that have lighthouses that used to be operational than yeah. actual functional lighthouses anymore. You're right. Uh, Paul. Okay. Mine's pretty darn short compared to you guys's, but Give us the I'm gospel. doing uh, Snake Island. I won't even try to pronounce the name, <laughs> um, but it is off the coast of Brazil. Um, it's a pretty small island um, comparison to others. Um, but the most significant thing about this island and the reason why it's called Snake Island is because for every square meter, there are about one to five snakes. <laughs> every square meter? Yeah. Every square meter. One oh to five. Good the range, too. Good Lord. Yeah, give or take, depending on snake population. And, and knowing snake Brazil, population. these are probably not, these are probably not, oh yeah, you know, like these weak snakes. Are these are probably some of the most like venomous snakes in the world um and just about all of them are venomous so Mm. um to note the golden lance head um they couldn't i couldn't find a legit like where it ranks in most venomous but they say it's five times more deadly than the comparison to the mainland oh like like deadliest snake in brazil oh terrifying just yes generations of inbreeding yeah it just, yeah, nothing really kills it, you know? It just hunts birds <laughs> yeah, all day. It's and immortal. Oh, is that yeah, birds? I was wondering, like, how on earth are all of these snakes feeding and not just mm-hmm. eliminating whatever it is that they eat? Yeah, no, birds. That sucks. 
<laughs> being a bird, landing on a rock and realizing you're surrounded by like 15 snakes. We'll, yeah, we'll... and it's not too far off the coast. It's only like 21 miles. So, I mean, birds fly there all the time. Once. Yeah. <laughs> Once, yeah. yeah. They, they don't fly back, but... Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. I figured this kind of fits the, like, legitimately, like, scary fucking place to step yeah. foot on. Like, because... actually scary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, what part of Brazil too. is it off of? Like, what, um, like, geographically? I think it's, like... Kind of south of Sao Paulo. Oh, okay. okay. Near the bend. Do right? yeah. Kind I mean, of near I'm that sure bend. it. I'm sure it varies uh, on a snake by snake basis. But do they just eat? <laughs> do they just eat <laughs> like anything they can fit in their mouth, <laughs> like animals wise? Yeah. They, like birds, rats, whatever they can get. Yeah, I didn't see. Like, because like don't it's... they eat like things that are way too big? Sometimes, like the big ones, and they die. They'll eat like an entire goat. Yeah, like they unhinge oh. their jaws and just yeah. Like, <laughs> so. <laughs> so i don't know and i didn't see anything regarding like larger animals on this island because it's only 106 acres big or large okay God. um but yeah their main uh at least this one snake its main course is birds <laughs> so were there any uh human deaths that you came across uh, i mean i'm sure that it has happened i'm sure right? there are for sure some. with that many snakes didn't really talk about that. Um, they do talk about, like, a lot of scientists go there. Um, they'll actually collect some of those snakes just because of how rare they are and wow. get their anti-venom. Or oh. their venom to make anti-venom. Just in case. Just in case. Dude, so, that... Oh, God. Can you... Oh, my... Mm-hmm. I don't even want to know how many snakes are on that island based on... Like, I'm sure we could do a calculation based on how many, how many snakes you said per square meter and acres but i just i don't even want to know the number this is too many sure because i have how many square meters the island is do it well i understand okay absolutely so roughly again if there's one to five okay well i mean you kind of just okay so it's 106 acres go ahead yes well i don't know the square meters well that's why we're guessing oh guess game i don't know uh Man, this is a this is a. I'm gonna like guess acre, acres is a standard unit. <laughs> That's, that makes it. Well, I, I know. guess a three three, three quarters of a million snakes. Holy fuck! I don't know. I'm gonna guess a hundred thousand. Don't snakes. make me do math, man. <laughs> Seven hundred fifty thousand snakes. I'm gonna guess a hundred thousand. Okay. Three. <laughs> uh i'm gonna guess forty-four thousand. okay it this island is four hundred and thirty thousand square feet square meters excuse me square meters oh so at how, very how, least, how many what's well, what one, did you say one to five snakes four hundred and thirty thousand square meters okay so i'm low <laughs> <laughs> so it's probably closer to what dan said if you're going off the one to five ratio damn but that I'm means like as high as <laughs> two, 2 million, right? 400,000 yeah. times 5? Yeah. Yeah. God. I'm sorry for scoffing at you, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> I was so. going to go higher originally, but it was going to be way too high, so I'm glad I brought it down. 7 billion Infinite. snakes. By the way, assuming all of these snakes are 3 feet long... <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> no, that's, a, that's, that's, like, 11, that's more than 1,100 miles of snakes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that's crazy. That's how I got from New York to Iowa. Just rode yeah, the backs just, of consecutive snakes. <laughs> yeah. Dude, um, I'm really sorry that this – well, no, Paul, is that, is that the info? Yeah, I got nothing else. Okay. Greg, before you start – Okay. Um, I just want to say this bums me out. Uh, I was really waiting, really looking forward to that Dune movie. Take it delayed. Pushed it back to April of next year. Oh, oh no. Oh. Why? And uh, also, actually, no, Agreed. I'm sorry. I think it might have gotten pushed back to October of next year. <laughs> I think James Bond is the one that got pushed back to Easter weekend of next year. That's correct. So... October, I gotta wait a whole other year to watch this movie that's done. They've made the movie, it's complete. <laughs> Are they just waiting for like COVID to go away? Yeah, they want that's that fucking money, which I get, so, but yeah, so even, mad about it, even though it's like Avatar are open. Yeah, we just well, we just saw actually great, great segue, Greg. Um, Greg and Ryan and I just the other day went to a 4K remaster of akira in the jordan creek oh man uh movie oh. theater it was awesome there were only three other people in the theater and we had the best seats in the house it was incredible that must it was my first been, time man. and it was my first time seeing akira oh yeah so yeah it was, it was good for greg i was wow. gonna say what a grand time to watch spoiled it was incredible any other watch any other watching of that movie you'll ever have yeah, yeah. <laughs> But um, I do have to go in in a minute here, so I'm probably just going to part ways now. Okay. Good call. So Have fun on your date. Thanks, boys. Talk to you later. Kiss her. Uh, Wait, Paul, <laughs> if you leave now, how will you be on the draft? Uh, Through the magic of modern technology. <laughs> guess I'm just going to have oh, to get God. super drunk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. That'll make sense later. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's, is this the first callback that goes forward in time, perhaps? <laughs> is a callback joke that won't make sense until the end of the episode? Oh, my God. <laughs> oh amazing. All right, Paul, you have Excellent. fun tonight. Okay, take care. Take it easy. Well, what you got, On to Greg? our final segment. As we have mentioned before, today we're going to be, well, I am going to be talking about Heart Island. Um, so one completely irre- like not relevant fact, like just something interesting that I, I, I read, um, heart H A R T is like an antiquated word for stag oh. deer. Cause apparently this Island used to be used like, uh, when, when New York was starting to first develop all the wildlife got pushed off into the woods. So they, they basically just used this Island. They, they let a whole bunch of deer roam free and it was kind of like a, well, a game preserve. That's cool for people to go and hunt on, which is kind of surprising. It's a pretty small island. I wonder if the so, band um, Heart knows that. <laughs> I'm sure spelled that was, a different way. Yeah, spelled a different way. This is H A R T. Oh, yes. So, um, Heart Island, uh, if you are unfamiliar, uh, is in Long Island Sound, which is the body of water that's in between Long Island and the New York Connecticut coastline. It is one mile long, and at its widest point is 0.33 miles wide. Wow. And it's also approximately 0.33 miles off the eastern shore of City Island, which is an a, a inhabited island currently, uh, j- that is just off the shore of the Bronx. 
It's actually connected with the bridge. It's that close. So mm. uh, this is kind of just out in the water there. Also, if our listeners are familiar with the Great Gatsby, there's East Egg and West Egg referred to there. Those are, I think, Kings Point and something else. But uh, West Egg is directly south of Hart Island. Didn't know they were based on actual locations. It's basically just little lumps off the top of Long Island. Lumps. But they're, oh. they're not called East and West Egg in real life, obviously. Yeah. They have different names, but they're based off of a real mm-hmm. like neighborhoods. Yeah, real neighborhoods. Exactly. Okay. So, um, the uh, apparently it's disputed the exact acreage of the island, but it's between 101 and 131 acres, so a little bit smaller than, uh, than the one that Paul was talking about a bit ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hart Island does not have electricity, never has, and the only <laughs> access to the island is via ferry. <laughs> so um, there's a lot of history with this island. Uh, the most interesting stuff is the some of the most recent history, but there's some really crazy stuff that's happened in the past. So I will go over this history quickly because there's an insane amount to talk about. But surprising for such a small island. Well, I mean, it is also you know one of the one of the islands in like you know just off the coast of the Bronx, and there's all sorts of islands, and you know they're in the New York City area, and pretty much all of them have been developed at some point. Oh. Because, you know, islands serve special purposes, like there's Rikers, which will come into play later in the story, uh, which obviously, you know, having a prison on an island, pretty good idea. Hard hard to escape. It's just a naturally good place to do it. Yes. Kind of perhaps like Australia. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bit bigger. Alcatraz. Yeah, but what are you going to do, run into the outback? Australia that. is a little bit bigger. <laughs> yeah, it might be a continent. All right, so uh, the the island in its early history was uh, occupied by Siwanoi, I believe I'm pronouncing that correctly, uh, Native Americans. Uh, was later sold to a prominent um, British military officer, the Pell family, uh, which are also the founders of Pelham, uh, New York, which is a village that's just north of here. Also, the islands in this group are known as the Pelham Islands. Um, it was part of a 9,100-acre estate, which is pretty pretty huge. The, the, that family pretty much owned all of the Bronx at that point. Um, one interesting thing about a hard island at that point is that, uh, it was, uh, by the early 1800s, Hart Island was known as a, like a haven in the New York city area, <laughs> um, <laughs> for bare knuckle boxing. Really? Yes. People would come and, and, uh, oh, that's awesome. Actually. There'd be bare knuckle boxing tournaments on Hart Island where literally thousands of people would be there to spectate. Kane, this is exceptionally distracting. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, I was about to add to it. Sorry. For uh, for the listeners, Kane was drawing an anatomically correct version of me <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> with some falsehoods written next to it. So, bare knuckle boxing haven. Uh, where does it go from there? So, um, basically, not a whole lot happened with the island until the mid 1800s, and. Uh, once it got out of private hands, basically the uh, the state of New York bought some of the land from uh, the like. There's a whole bunch of families that you know, Pat. Like it got bought and sold, bought and sold, and then uh, the state of New York ended up buying it, or uh, either the state or the city of New York City. Did they? Was there Can't just remember. like What's a mansion difference? built on there or anything <laughs> ever? Or oh, uh, no mansions, but we'll get to some of the buildings shortly. Ah. So anyway, I'll try and move through this quickly. But the first use of the island as a public entity was in 1864. Interestingly, be interestingly being used as training grounds for the 31st Infantry Regiment of the United States Colored Troops. Ah. So it's like one of the very first uh, units of, uh, like, black infantry in um, the Civil War. Not very first, but, you know, 
in that first batch. You know, not batch. It's like the thirty first regiment in the colored troops, which oh. was, it was just like the Civil War was like the first conflict where where um, like non white people were fighting for uh, the United States. Right. So anyway, um, the island was a. Uh, could house two to 3,000 recruits at a time, and eventually over 50,000 soldiers were trained there. In November of 1864, a POW camp for Confederate soldiers was constructed there with room for 5,000 prisoners. It was used for four months during the Civil War uh, and ended up housing 3,400 captured uh, Confederate Army soldiers. 234 of them died in the camp and were buried at the Cypress Hill Cemetery in Queens. I, we're off so, to a really good start, I gotta say, because you probably have some like dead bare knuckle boxers who were like killed by their agent or whatever after they I'm lost sure, the yeah. money, and now you have like 250 dead Confederate soldiers. Like, yep, we're starting probably to put to take a, their together revenge. a pretty nice resume here. Exactly. Oh, and we're only getting started, baby. You have no idea. Uh, the next, <laughs> the <laughs> the next section of my, uh, I won't even tell you. So the the first burials on Hart Island. Uh, were actually of 20 Union Army soldiers during the American Civil War. So uh, during the training days, that was actually the first people being buried there prior to uh, prisoners of war. Training accidents? Yep. Uh, So, okay, so it was basically being leased at that point from a man named Edward Hunter, and in 1868, New York City itself bought the island from him, who also owned nearby Hunter Island, and they they paid $75,000 for it. They almost immediately began using it as a burial site. What year? Seventy-five thousand uh, dollars. Eighteen sixty-eight. Oh, was a good okay. amount. Of, was a good amount of money. Jeez. Yeah, it's a... yeah, quite a bit of money. Uh, and then in eighteen sixty-nine, a twenty-four-year-old woman named. So I should mention the all those soldiers that had died there, and potentially some of the bare knuckle boxers. They died there, but they weren't necessarily buried there because I mentioned the soldiers were buried in uh, in Queens. So the very first person buried on the island, to, uh, to, to modern historians' knowledge, was a 24-year-old woman named Louisa Van Slyke, who died in Charity Hospital. Uh, and she was buried on the island's 45-acre public graveyard in 1869. Damn. The cemetery began to be known as City Cemetery, or Potter's Field, which is a general term for uh, burial places for um, people who don't really have anywhere else to be buried. The oh, unidentified, un- unidentified unclaimed... Well, <laughs> you think that's bad? Oh, <laughs> we're only, yeah, <laughs> we're only scratching the surface here, man. We're, we're we're getting into it. So by 1880, the New York Times, this is a little bit cruel, described the island as the Greenwood of Five Points. So uh, Greenwood is a fancy cemetery in Brooklyn, and Five Points was an ex- exceptionally poor neighborhood uh, in Brooklyn. So they're basically saying that this is. You know, this is a cemetery for the poor people. That's that's what the New York Times is saying. This is in 1880. Damn fake news. Yeah. The <sighs> exactly. failing New York Times, <laughs> mind you. <laughs> They've been failing for 140 years. We just didn't know it. <laughs> so the newspaper also said of Hart Island, quote, unquote, this is where the rough pine boxes that come from Blackwell's Island go. In reference, to, in reference to the influx of corpses being transported from the hospitals on what is now called Roosevelt Island. Um. So the next major thing that the island gets used for is as a quarantine station during 18, the 1870 yellow fever epidemic. So any any ship that came into New York City Harbor or New York Harbor or whatever uh, would stop at Hart Island to quarantine before they would head on. That's pretty smart. Um, shortly thereafter, erected were the following. 
a women's psychiatric hospital called the Pavilion, which was built in 1885 and was uh, later expanded from 1,100 to 1,500 beds. Real quick. Got it. How long do you think they quarantined for back then? <laughs> like a day? That, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Enough time to uh, take a bath? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. If you're not sick, if you don't look sick at sunrise, come on in. <laughs> All right. Um, so this women's psychiatric hospital I mentioned was notoriously poorly managed. Of course. And had several escapes. I don't know if they ever made it outside of you know the island, like onto the mainland or anything like that, but they had psychiatric patients that got loose multiple times. Dude, 1880s psychiatric ward, like you can't, can't even call it a psychiatric ward. It was just yeah, like a torture chamber. Fast and for loose all, with the for, rules. For yeah. all of our listeners, go look up some of the Kirk Brides. Those are some interesting oh, things Jesus. to look at. There's, a, there's, there's one in Iowa that is still operating. Ooh, boy. I don't know what that is, but the fact that it's still going. <laughs> I think it's in Villisca. We shouldn't be doing anything that we started in the 1880s. Nothing. Absolutely right. The Kirkbride plan, they all look, all the buildings just look so, like, majestic, but also, like, really scary in a way. Like, the yeah. very stereotypical, like, yeah. Look up yeah. the one, look the up one in Iowa. Come on. Yeah, that's Hudson, Hudson River State. State. No, thanks. <laughs> can't look up the one in Iowa. You'll, I think you'll, because I can't believe it's still operating. It's, like, one of our main independent state hospitals. I think that might be it. Oh, yeah. Look at all that ivy in the painting. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we got wow. some that are still operating here. So, anyway, so moving on, they also built a tuber. <laughs> this is a word I did not know existed before. A tubercularium, <laughs> which is a TB a TB hospital. It's where they grow tuberculosis. <laughs> exactly. Uh, they built an industrial school for three hundred students. Uh, this is another thing I had to learn about a workhouse, which is basically a like a public place where the state just kind of funded a place for you to come and provide labor, and they gave you a place to live and eat and voluntary not, indentured servitude pretty much okay like just not be poor but from <laughs> what i understand uh it was like also like a something that was used as kind of a punishment so if you got caught charged with some kind of petty crime for being poor you know like stealing some bread or something like that they'd be like hey go live here you can eat food and not get in too much trouble right so anyway uh so that was an extension of the Alms House, which is basically the same thing, on Blackwell, again, now Roosevelt Island, uh, which was also built in 1885, originally built for adult men and later expanded to boys. Uh, the workhouse for boys was notoriously cruel. Some things that they employed were, again, a common theme from before, sleep deprivation, isolation, and also they frequently forced boys to beat other boys. <laughs> So uh, they just, has, they just forced kids to beat the, beat the living hell out of each other. Harkening back to their bare-knuckle boxing days. Exactly. Just, you know, celebrating history. For sure. So by the early 20th century, Hart Island housed about 2,000 delinquent boys as well as elderly male prisoners from Blackwell's Penitentiary. Um, and then in 1824, so here's, here's a really interesting one. In 1824, John Hunter sold his four-acre tract of land that was he still remained owning on Hart Island's west side to a man named Solomon Riley, who was a millionaire real estate spe speculator from Barbados. <laughs> Riley subsequently proposed to build an amusement park on Hart Island. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, you're laughing, but there's actually a, a very sad reason as to why he was considering this. Um, it, was to be, it was designed to have served the, the primarily black community of Harlem in Manhattan, 
uh, and was referred to as the Negro Coney Island. And that's a quote. How about um, sick flags? Oh, <laughs> boo! <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was it was called this because at the time African Americans were banned from Rye Playland and Dobbs Ferry amusement parks in the New York City area. So it was basically the idea was you're not going to allow black people at the other amusement parks. We'll create our own. Um, so Riley had started building a dance hall, boarding houses, and a boardwalk, and had purchased, get this, 60, 60 steamboats. <laughs> he bought 60 boats. Oh, to like ferry for the operation. people to the island? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, That's a lot of and then the state government raised concerns about the proposed park's proximity to a jail and hospital, and so the city, <laughs> so the city condemned the land a year later. Wow. Uh, so he was later paid $144,000 for the seizure, which is today $2.13 million. So I'll, I'll take it. Hopefully enough to pay for the boats, but 60 boats? The boats. Yeah. So many boats. 60 boats. boats. That's a lot of boats. That's a lot, I mean, of, that's boats. A lot of boats. And boats aren't cheap. No. No, even small boats. And these were probably bigger boats. You said steamboats? Yes. Those big boats. Yeah. Steamboats are notoriously big boats. Yes, they are. Yeah. Anyway, enough big about boat, the boats. Big boat, big cost. You know what they say about <laughs> big boats, right? Big boilers. Big boilers. <laughs> I didn't really, really hear what you said, so I kind of just kind I said, of... I said boilers. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, moving on. Um, not a whole lot changed between the 20s and, say, like the 40s or so. Uh, so, during World War II, all of the prisoners on Hart Island were moved away, uh, specifically moved to Rikers Island. So, Hart Island's workhouse was then turned into a disciplinary barracks uh, for the armed forces, as in, so like, if you, if you mess up or foul up, you're exactly like punished there if, by labor. Especially when there's a draft. You know, they're taking in all sorts of hooligans uh, to be in the military. Sure. There's going to be all sorts of rabble-rousing and <laughs> tomfoolery. So uh, the tomfoolers were placed uh, on Hart Island and disciplined uh, thoroughly. Rikers quickly became overcrowded um, during all this because all the prisoners had been moved there. So the New York City Department of Corrections reopened Hart Island as a prison, as a prison after the war, despite the facilities not really being up to the task. <laughs> um, so next, a homeless shelter for 2,000 people was constructed that ran from 1951 to 54 that also served alcoholics. Uh, the nearby residents of City Island did not like <laughs> the giant settlement of 2,000 homeless people and organized to have it closed. Uh, and at that point, the New York City Department of Welfare closed the shelter and gave it back to the Department of Corrections, who opened an alcoholism treatment facility in 1955, also constructing a courthouse to try the crimes that the homeless committed. Oh, on the my God, dude. They might, this is just there's so much crime. <laughs> I know they just keep using it for all sorts of things. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the, the, apparently the homeless there committed enough crime that there was the necessity to create a courthouse on the grounds. Unbelievable. Um, and the prison uh, that had been reopened at the time uh, was serving 1,200 to 1,800 prisoners at any given time. Wow. So, so there's like now we pretty find constantly four or 5,000 people on this island? Yeah, even though it's what, 115-ish yeah, acres, yeah. 120 acres? That's really not even like a square mile, right? No, it's not. I, I want Kane to be oh, yeah, this next fact. I'm Seriously. I believe he's making a drink, though. Okay, I'm going to go to the bathroom. So, good. you're going to do that? All right, good deal. All right, so, <laughs> we are basically at the tail end of the 50s now, Kane. And, so and the it's island's been still used be... for about eight different things already. Yeah, over the last, what, 100 and, or more than 200 years at that point. God. Because the island has been pretty much continuously 
occupied since like the mid 1700s. Okay, sorry. All right. So now we find ourselves at the end of the 1950s. So I mentioned that this this place has been used as a burial ground since that that one woman in the 1860s had been buried there. You guys want to take a stab at how many people at this point? It's not even like mainly a cemetery at this point. They've just been burying people this entire time. Take a stab at how many people have been buried there at that point. 250. Oh. 250? I'm going to say... I'm I'm intentionally lowballing. Okay. Intentionally lowballing. 10,000? By the 1958? (laughs) Shit. 500,000 people have been buried on this island. Oh, my God. Yeah. And it's not even primarily a cemetery at that point. It's more body than dirt. At, yeah, especially now, God. <laughs> which we'll get to Jesus. shortly because we're getting into the meat and potatoes of this. Uh, this is the second time we said that this pod. Um, so, yeah, 500,000 buried by 1958. Um, in 1956, the island was retrofitted with Nike Ajax missiles as part of Fort Slocum. I forgot that that was the name of a missile. I thought Nike made a missile <laughs> <laughs> at first, like the Nike Ajax missile. Yeah, but. Both both are named after <laughs> a Greek goddess, that. right? Yeah, yeah. Dabbled. So I thought. <laughs> but uh, shoes are going great. Yeah. So can, can read the read the name of that that fort. <laughs> <laughs> it's Fort Slocum. S L O C U M. You do the math. Oh yeah. Um. So those those missiles were on the island from fifty six to sixty one. Uh, they built a new workhouse in nineteen fifty nine. They spent like seven million dollars on it, which is nuts. Uh, the prison closed in 1966, and then they opened a drug rehabilitation center. There's just a bunch of stuff that's been going on here. So, moving on to the spooky parts of this. We already mentioned that half a million people had already been buried there at this point. Yeah. But uh, So the, the graves originally only comprised about a third of the island, but slowly took it over. It's still um, quite a bit. By 2010, over one million people had been buried on this island. Jesus. Um, annually, right now, there are about 1,500 people being buried there today. Um, it is the largest tax-funded cemetery in the U.S. and likely the world, but um, the you know historians had not been able to locate one that was even pretty much in the same class. But potentially possible, but unlikely. Um, Catacombs of Paris? Does that count? I don't know if that's tax-funded though, and I don't know if people are even being buried there anymore. No, they aren't. But it's probably a lot of bodies there. That's true. And it was a government undertaking. Good point. So it was tax-funded. All right. Well, anywho, um, so. Anybody want to guess who does the actual burials at Hard Island? Do you mean like is this? Uh, you might know this already. Like who do, who buries the bodies? I'm guessing prisoners. Yeah, from Rikers. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah, they just they just ship in prisoners from Rikers <clears throat> now, here, Island here's and make the, them bury people. Here's the question: Would you rather be one of those prisoners burying bodies or a California prisoner fighting forest fires? Forest fire seems more noble, but. Definitely a lot more dangerous. Mm-hmm. I'd rather be one of the ones working at Depends Starbucks on... for two dollars an hour. Well, you'd be making about four times more than these prisoners make because they only get paid fifty cents an hour to bury these bodies. God. Yeah, brutal. Sixteen tons. Uh, the caskets are made of cheap pine wood, and ceremonies for the burials have not been done since nineteen the nineteen fifties. Yeah, dude, they should just cremate them. It would make it a lot easier, wouldn't yeah. it? Yeah. But the problem is that a lot of these bodies are, like, unclaimed, and uh, can, you can you can request exhuming. Ah. Uh, but that's only happened, like, 50 times total. Like so it's not... These are individual graves? 
These are no, no they're masked. They're masked. They well, are masked. How do you exhume? How do you know where a body they, they is put buried? Con- they put concrete markers over the. They. I'll explain that in a minute. Okay. They, they, okay. they do like, it trench style. Pillars. There is a white pillar um, that was actually erected by. Um, I got a white prisoner. pillar for you. <laughs> oh my god! god so much phallic <laughs> material um, in this program. So actually, that's like the next thing in here is that uh, the people are buried in trenches that are three feet underground. Uh, stacked three high on top of each other. Each trench can hold about 150 bodies. Um, here's where things take a really dark turn. About half of the bodies buried on Hard Island are children under the age of five. Oh. Why? A lot of them were... I mean, my understanding is, I mean, this has been going on since the 1800s. Oh, so... Children dying yeah. was a lot more common back then from disease and things like that when they were young. So a lot of those children's bodies probably older bodies than... I'd imagine. Um, so that's not so much of a modern thing. But, yeah, about half of them have been children under the age of five. Um, a small number of them are also medical cadavers. One thing that's really sad is that a lot of the dead under five children bodies are actually like the bodies of babies and the caskets they use for babies are approximately the size of a shoebox. Oh Christ. And they're and instead of being stacked three high, they're stacked five high. That's that's really unfortunate. But honestly, and I'm not trying to be goofy saying this, I thought you were gonna say they would put like they would use the same size oh, coffin to keep things more. cheap and keep things cheap and they would just put multiple oh, no. babies in one. That, that, would be, that would be significantly worse, but no, thankfully they do not do that. Um, so occasionally um, erosion happens on the island and ex- sometimes has exposed bones at the surface level of the ground. Uh, um, also, oh no. also trenches um, historically have been reused every 25 to 50 years after the bodies had decayed. Jesus. They would just kind of dig it up again, and then just stack more stack more boxes down there once the the wood and bodies had gone away. Jesus. Um, but now they don't do that any longer. They just raise raise buildings instead, and then bury people there. Another interesting bit uh, for the burials um, back in the 1980s, uh, they used Heart Island to bury AIDS victims that had passed away, and at the time, since they did they did it was there wasn't much medically known about AIDS at the time. They would bury the bodies individually for fear that the cadavers could potentially spread AIDS. But once they figured out that that was not possible, they started burying them in mass. To other bodies? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I was I, also kind of lost on the watch. I, know I we, think it was more of a just get it underground and, you know, separate it so that there weren't turn exposed bodies yeah. while people are burying <laughs> other bodies. Oh, okay. Fair you point. See, yeah. Once you see the pictures, you'll understand. Because you're basically talking about a, like a huge we trench that's hundreds of we feet can. long. We can't put, like, those kind of pictures on Instagram, can we? There's no exposed bones or anything like that. It's just caskets. Just oh, okay. Boxes. It's just caskets. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah, just boxes. I'm looking at boxes. Google one images of right now. One of the... I watched a video, and the prisoners that were unloading the, the caskets from, like, a truck were literally just tossing baby caskets to each other. They weren't uh, even like, handing off. Like they were the physically Pikes throwing. Like fish market? Yes. Like, good Lord. Yeah, I mean, you're, these are Rikers Island inmates, you know, like... True. Yeah, I probably wouldn't care too much. Yeah. Ter- I that, guess it depends if it's, like, you know, day one on the job or, like, day 279 on the job. That's true. 
but that's like that really adds the creepiness of this whole place is just how casually death yeah, gets treated true how how just surrounded by death you are at every inch of this island um so the next uh the next section here is called visiting my first line on here is called uh what's wrong with you if you want to do this <laughs> um oh yeah <laughs> sure yeah um where's the gift shop <laughs> No, seriously, though, this is actually a major thing, because up until 2015, most families couldn't even visit people that had been married on this island. Oh, damn. Um, and uh, a lot of people often did not understand what city burial meant. They just thought that that probably meant that the city would bury people. They didn't understand that that meant they'd be buried on an inaccessible island. Right. So uh, uh, there's lots of people that never even got to see their, uh, their um, departed family. Um, Ooh. So, and, and also people often we get sent there to be buried that just where families just didn't have enough time to claim the body. It'd be like a day later they'd get sent off to the island. Um, just because there's so many dead bodies that the city just had to put them somewhere. So they just shipped them off there. The city also only has records. Greatest for, city on earth, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait to live there. The city only has records for about 77,000 of the over 1 million bodies that are on the island. And those the, those records only go back to about 1977. Oh my God! Um, a project called the Heart Island Project and a few other organizations have worked with the government to make it possible to visit. Family members can organize to or can you know schedule a visit. They do visits twice a month. You need proof that you are related to somebody that's there, and it's very restricted as to where you can go. Um, if you're just a member of the public, public you can arrange to go and. Uh, view the graveyard area, but it's, it's a, it's a very small area you're allowed to view. It's not, you don't have, you don't get to go around anywhere really. Uh, and that's only once a month and it's very difficult to get there. There's often like a, you know, six ish month waiting, waiting list to go view, view it. But, uh, that was before the last, what, you know, nine, 10 months. Well, what's been going on fellas? Um, NBA finals. <laughs> that's surely the thing that's on the top of it. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. No, glo- COVID. Global COVID, pandemic. Yeah, you're yes. talking about COVID. So, oh, okay. um, yeah, of course. Yeah, exactly. So as of early 2020, I, I knew that. Um, NBA finals, dude. the city of New York City has been burying... It's like spatial reasoning. Yeah, the city of New York City has been burying dead victims of coronavirus on Hart Island. Uh, the second they started doing that, they stopped using Rikers inmates to be the ones burying the bodies, which, good for them. That's that's at least something that's positive. It's a little done. humane, yeah. A little bit. Um, so they stopped using Rikers uh, inmates and started using trained professionals that are wearing, like, you know, full hazmat suits. Um, but uh, there are no more visits for the foreseeable future. And uh, you guys want to guess? I mean, this is really not that crazy of a number, especially compared to the superlatives we've heard earlier, but... Uh, numbers of victims uh, from March to June that were buried there? 30,000. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Just tell me. It's 725. Oh, God. Uh, but what's terrifying is that on one single day, April 6, 2020, 138 people were buried. Ugh. Right at the peak of the pandemic. Is that That's um, probably the one burial where there's, like, that drone footage? Yeah. Uh, yeah if you've seen that, yeah, yeah that's... That's the one. Um, the one positive thing that comes out of the coronavirus parts of that is that, um, at you know, in the past, there have been plenty of people buried there that were just unclaimed or really shouldn't have been there. The only people that were uh, that were buried there now were people where their families requested it or 
um, people were completely unclaimed, and there was like a waiting period of a few days, I think. Um, like, and uh, the mayor, uh, what's his name again? Um, not, not Blasio. De Blasio. Is it De Blasio still? Okay. Yeah. De Blasio said something about basically like if if you want to exhume the body down the line, that's something we can do. Um, which has always been an option, but they're actually going to seriously try and work with people. But mm. yeah, that's Hard Island. More than more than a million buried in 120 acres. God. Still a lower density of bodies than the density of the snakes on Snake Island. Well, that's good. <laughs> three bodies per square meter. Yeah, that'd be... Well, I mean, they are stacked three high. How, how many acres? Five high when they're babies. Uh, it was disputed, remember? 105 to 120. All right, so let's say it's 120. This is grim math, folks. Yeah, well, maybe let's not do that. <laughs> this is pretty, pretty <laughs> how, ugly stuff. How many, how many dead babies I per mean, mile? <laughs> yeah. God. <laughs> Oh no! Yeah. So, if our listeners remember the the passing mention of this in the past was basically like, fuck off. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> the passing mention of this before was basically when we were starting to talk. Let about the man live. When we were yeah. still joking about um, some of us dying from coronavirus before I got coronavirus. Yeah. <laughs> that <laughs> like was I got, funny. It was like two weeks. Two <laughs> weeks later, funny. I got yeah. Like two weeks later, I got coronavirus. Could have been you. Um, yeah, could have been. Could have been me. Sent your body from Iowa to New York City. Mm-hmm. It's the only thing that's that where they bury sense. all COVID yeah. deaths. And my soul straight to hell. <laughs> Seven hundred and twenty COVID deaths. That's how many we've had. So that's how many we've buried at Hard Island. Well, that's pretty much all I got. It's an island full of dead people. Sweet. Go there. Go there if you want to see bones and feel really creeped out. I don't know if there's ghosts, but if with that many dead, it's got to be at least one. Is there a moral <laughs> to this story? <laughs> Is there something that the public needs to know or to take away? Um, Specifically Hard Island? I would just say how it's just a a window into the the morbid reality of a city that size. Yeah, that's a good point. Mm. Because, like, you don't think about what happens after the episode of Law & Order is done, you know? Yeah, where that body body goes. Yeah. And the answer is, you know, if the family doesn't have a place to put it or can't afford to put it somewhere... It goes on an island in an unmarked mass grave. Which makes a lot of would, sense, like, too, given not how expensive at... land is there, right? It's not, like, that That just means, like, a plot in a cemetery would be that much more expensive oh, yeah. there. If they exhaust Hart Island as a resource, what's next? The ocean. Well, sea, yeah. Yeah. Or just, at sea. Or just do what they used to do and start reusing Hart Island every 20 years. Yeah. That's true. Which is morbid, but apparently effective. Cremation. What if they stacked like old subway tunnels? Oh, the New York City catacombs. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what that would become. They could just send them all that, off to that unused, beautiful subway station. Oh yeah, they could. All, they could also just send them off to Cincinnati to to be buried in there. What complete. is you know, what? They have a subway system in Cincinnati that never got built, like never got used. Oh yeah, they got true. built and then never used. There's a whole bunch of tunnels underneath Cincinnati that are complete. Like just it's embarrassing. The Cincinnati There's, catacombs. Um, Come on. <laughs> Yeah, Dan. There's a the station I'm talking about. We got to look it up after this because yeah, like, I know what you're talking about. It's um, it's beautiful. So Nate was like, you know, immaculately designed. They had to give it up because it's like a curve, and they lengthened the the cars of the subway, uh, and it can't they can't go around that curve anymore. Uh, so they had to give up that station. But pretty it's sure like, it's been used in a bunch of movies for like. Oh, I'm sure. Set. Okay, on to the draft, huh? Yeah, I'm I'm feeling pretty hammered. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> <laughs> son of a bitch. Okay, in keeping with our theme of 
October general spooky stuff. The draft we're doing today is going to be uh, f- best slash favorite horror movies. We have predetermined a randomized draft order to keep things fair. The draft order is as follows. First pick is Paul. Greg will go second. I will go third, and Dan will round out the bottom. Uh, you, all four of you have, uh, all, three, <clears throat> all three of you have your picks ready? Correct. Yep. Yes. Okay. So, if it's an older one, this goes for everyone, why not say uh, how old you were when you saw it? Mm. Uh, and just kind of why you like it so much. Take it away, Paul. Okay. Leading off with the very first pick. Uh, I don't, by older one, I'm thinking like 80s and older. If it didn't come out like in our lifetime. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, first pick, The Ring. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that was one of mine, but not the one I thought you were going to take. Which oh. You, shit. Because <laughs> now you might get two of mine. <laughs> okay. Yes, I just thought it was probably. Oh no! Wait, wait. that's impossible. Because the one I thought you were going to take is my number one, so oh. I'm getting it. <laughs> All right. Oh, okay, fair. That's confusing. Um, <laughs> but I just thought it was probably the most well done scary movie I've seen. I agree, and uh, damn, my brother was so into that movie, so into that movie. He was like active on the ring forums. Really? Afterwards, wow. yeah. We, I saw it a lot growing up. <laughs> that is indeed a good the, one. The videotape still gives me heebie-jeebies. You know, like when the nail is going through the finger and you see the nail. <laughs> um, okay, Greg, what do you All got? right. My, my number one is actually not, it's not so much of, it, it is a horror movie, but it's like a horror, psychological horror movie. Oh, uh, okay. It is uh, Stephen King's The Mist. Okay. Uh, cool. I can say And that. my my main reason for it was just like I I the the ending of the movie just was one of the most satisfying but also unsatisfying endings of a movie. If you haven't have any of you guys not seen it cuz I don't want to ruin it if I No, I've not seen it. Okay. okay. Yeah. I won't ruin it then, but like I'll just tell you that the like the scene at the end, something dawns upon you. And it's it just it changes the entire movie. Yeah, and uh, Love it, I just think it was fantastically done. And that was I a mean, very good way to put that baby. <laughs> that yeah, sounded really, <laughs> really tender. Real like, yeah. I always yeah. love that. Very, very fight, good movie. It's a fight Highly club. recommend you give that a watch <laughs> yeah. at some it's point. A, it's like a Fight Club ending. Oh, don't like, bring oh up spoiling Fight Club to me, man. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I also haven't read the book, but I have been told that the the moving movie ending is much much better. But yeah. I, I, I've yeah. also heard that that is very much a Stephen King thing. He wasn't great at ending books. He's not. So, yeah, that's my that's my number one. Okay, so my number one that I thought Paul was going to take for me a masterclass combination of acting, atmosphere, music. Plot, <laughs> practical effects, the thing. Oh, that is on my list. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. That is one of the best. That's like up there for movies I've seen, not just horror movies. Yeah. Yes, the a thing Kurt is super Russell good. favorite. Yeah, absolutely. Nice. All right. Uh, nice and easy. Easy first choice for me. Sinister. Okay. You know what? I think overall, I didn't care for that movie so much, but the lawnmower scene, like some of the killing scenes oh, yeah, were crazy. 
Yeah. Sorry. Oh, yeah, it's over. a snake I immediately draft. started talking. No, I, 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 just, I forgot it was a snake draft. So I was like, okay, who's next? Um, all right. This one was, it was, it was Horton tough. I wasn't who. sure if it belonged <laughs> on the list. Um, but I, I like it so much. And I think it's one of the scariest, but really one of the creepiest movies. It follows. Damn. Oh, dude, good one. That's Didn't on even my think list. of that movie. Yeah, that's on my list. He took one line. Yeah, that was one of my honorable mentions for sure. And what? Damn, it's crazy that I didn't think of that because you're, you're the one that really liked that movie. Right? I, yeah, I was us. the one who got us to go to it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was such a such a good film. God in theater. True. Can't yeah, did we go with like Jared and James, Jared, Dan, you and me? I think. Yeah, at Jordan Creek. Yeah. Yeah. I think we went to Cracker Barrel afterwards. That sounds right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man, that's the truth. I haven't been to Cracker Barrel in ages. Yeah, you know what we said right after we ate Cracker Barrel? What, we should come here more we often? We should come here more often. I don't think that's exactly what we said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you remember when the next time was that we went there? Have not been since. No, we didn't go. <laughs> <laughs> Man of our words. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so my number two. The 1990 television movie version of It. Oh. And mm. the big part of that is Tim Curry as Pennywise the Clown. Yeah. Was was ninety percent of that? Yeah, Chelsea. Because the rest of it kind of sucks. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I've only seen the new one. Sadly, it, the the new one was a much better horror movie. But like as as playing Pennywise, I think Tim Curry did a much better job than Skarsgård did. All right, I'm up. Yep, my number two. It's gonna be Clown. <sighs> I think you guys have seen that one. No. Wait. It's like a 2015. Movie is that the one like where the dude starts fusing to a clown suit? Yes. Okay. He puts on a clown. He puts on a clown <laughs> suit and it fuses with him. And the, uh, well, it's not really that great of a movie, so I, like I'm not going to feel bad about ruining this one. Um, so this isn't some masterpiece. It's just I'm afraid of clowns already. So uh, the guy has to kill and I believe eat a baby. Uh, yeah. Or a child so. of some kind uh, to get the clown suit to get off of him. And there's a there's a scene where he's inside of like a McDonald's play place. Oh Jesus! And then a, and then a child just goes missing. You hear screams. It's just horrifying. I'm that like solidified my fear of clowns as an adult. <laughs> <laughs> Always thought they were creepy, but that movie just sold it for me. Yeah. So that's that's my number two. Okay, Paul, you get the next two. Okay, my number two. I would almost consider more of a thriller, but I did look it up and it does meet the ca- category. <laughs> um, Silence of the Lambs. Oh, okay. My nice. mother's favorite movie. Oh, Clarice. <laughs> <laughs> Just because uh, uh, Hopkins does such a good job of being really that does. creepy serial killer guy, but like way too smart for his own good. Yeah, that's a great movie. So that's my number two. My number three is Insidious. Okay. Nice. Uh, too many times is like just, okay, I need a good like jump scare to get the day going. Yeah, you know, look up the one <laughs> scene where the the what? devil dude is behind the yeah. the woman. Or, or um, fuck, what's his name? Whatever the main character guy's name is. Yeah, Patrick Wilson. Yes, when they first like introduce the, the demon. So good. 
now I'm just picturing Paul starting off a Tuesday, just ah! <laughs> seven a.m. jump scare, hop in the yes. shower. Yeah, <laughs> really gets the day going. Your, your alarm is set to the sound of the screams. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, wheeling back. Well, unfortunately, my number three was It Follows, so that one got Sucks. taken. Yoink. My next one is going to be another one that doesn't necessarily fall into the category of horror movie on its own, but uh, I think based on the content matter, falls under the category enough to, to qualify. It's a zombie movie, and that's Train to Busan. That's a good one. Oh, yeah. Because it's not really, it it's, it's, it's not like jump scare horror, it's zombie horror, and it's not the typical zombie horror where it's like, you know, Walking Dead-esque. It's yeah. like... There's a very good like plot line of like the the interaction between the people that are getting attacked by the zombies. It's just a really well done film overall. Definitely my favorite zombie movie ever made. That's why it falls on the list. Where it's nice. So that's my number three. Okay, <clears throat> on Netflix so, if you haven't seen it. It's definitely good. It's it's probably the best zombie movie I've ever seen. Um, Korean. I don't think that got mentioned at all. Well, no, but I mean, Busan, I figured, but Busan, yeah, I think that was implied. Uh, hmm. <laughs> yeah, maybe if you're a K-pop fan, interesting, like you, Greg. Uh, <clears throat> my number three pick, and I, okay, I'll say it and then I'll get into it. The Blair Witch Project, oh. because it's one of those things like uh, where if you watch it now, like if a kid watched it now, they'd be like, "Well, this is <laughs> right." Like every movie is like this. But that's one of those things where, like, it made that. It was, like, the first found for, found footage horror movie, basically. I know there was, like, one or two before, but that was definitely the one that made it, like, a genre. And it scared the shit out of me when I watched it. I think I was, like, 11 when I watched it the first time. Oh, and it God. It killed me, dude. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. I watched um, it when I was 17 for the first time, and it yeah. killed me. So that was okay, before Dan. Paranormal Activity? Oh, yeah. It came out... Mm-hmm. Like 2000 or oh, 1999 okay. or something. All right. Um, my third pick is more unsettling than jump scare. Um, so it sort of falls in line with my It Follows pick, but uh, it's also sure to be a fan favorite The Baba Duck. Mm. Oh, Baba Duck, Duck, Duck. <laughs> yeah. It's just really twisted, you know? Like you leave <laughs> oh, yeah. that, you leave that movie and you're like, Ugh. Do it's I just see that kid, call? man? I just oh, can't handle the, that. The kid, kid. sucks. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. yeah. That kid Why sucks. Why can't you just be normal? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. It took her an hour into the movie to say it. We were all saying it minute two. Oh yeah. Uh all right. And then for my fourth pick, uh, this might not be as widely known. It's a more recent movie, but it was just so good and so intense and it had great jump scares, and I'll explain why. Um, the movie Hush. Anybody watch it? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Dude, it's great. The premise will explain exactly why, like how, how it could be so scary. This, this woman, I think she's an author, and she's deaf, like 100% cannot hear, and she is being hunted by somebody in this, like, house she has that's like in the middle of the woods so so like for the first maybe half hour of the movie she doesn't even know that this guy is has been like stalking her and like trying to get into her house it's not the movie i thought it was i do know what you're talking about were you talking about don't breathe 
Yep. I thought uh, you were talking about Don't Breathe. That was number five on my list. Word. <laughs> you got to. You gotta... what, what's the plot for Don't Breathe again? That's where the kids break into that deaf guy's house. Blind. Okay. Blind. Blind. I've seen that. Yes. That yes. <laughs> Inverse. Same premise, different yeah. Uh, disability. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think I have seen Hush now that you mentioned it. <laughs> Oh, is that? Oh, it's me. Yep. Yes. Okay. Um, sorry. <clears throat> I'm actually, I expected this to get taken, so I pr- just preemptively bumped it down to a, like an honorary mention. <laughs> uh, Hereditary. I liked that one a lot. Never seen Have you it. seen it? No. Nope. I haven't seen it. Damn. Seriously, guys, you got to get on that. Um, it's crazy. It's unlike any other horror movie I've ever seen. Uh, I don't know what to say about it without... Have you uh, seen it, Greg? I'm trying... Oh. Oh, yeah. I should have made that my number one, dude. Holy yeah, crap. I know. Because I've seen this. <laughs> it's really good. I just, like... I've forgotten about a lot of the horror movies I've watched. But yeah, this one this one fucked me up pretty good. Is Pretty sure nowhere? I saw it in theaters. Yeah, it was like two years ago or something. Yeah, in 2018. Uh, same director as Midsummer. I don't know if you saw that, but that was kind of his follow-up movie. Ari Aster. Midsummer was a wild one too. Uh, Hereditary was pretty tight. Oh yeah, I saw a commercial. There's one of the most like shocking scenes I've ever seen in a movie. I think personally, you know what I'm you know what I'm talking about, Greg? I'm trying to remember where it cuts to the road. You know what I'm talking about, man? How could you forget this? Oh, I'm just like... It's, okay, well, people listening at home <laughs> will understand how unbelievably frustrated I am that Greg doesn't know what I'm talking about. I'm, it is well, the standout scene in the movie. I, I, again, I meant, like, I'm not big on horror movies, and they all seem to blend together for me, and that's why I'm just like, it's not sticking out to me. That's, so you know, once, that's once, right. I, once I remember, I won't say anything, but... Well, just you, go ahead and give us your last pick, Greg. Yeah. Give, give the last pick. All right. Well, um, I'm going to switch around my last two. Uh, my, my honorable mention will become my – well, I guess these are both honorable mentions, but I'm going to say The Witch. Okay. Nice. The, okay. The, the, the Witch. Oh, yeah. Um, the way it's stylized. But, yeah, like uh, most, of the, most of the horror films I've seen have been set in relatively modern times, and that's, like, the only one that's been, like it, – it's, like, revolutionary – era or earlier even yeah, America colonial. colonial time America it's like 1600s and to me like the idea of like landing on a new continent and not knowing the hell the hell's out there other than you know native tribes that are probably not very friendly with you um everything was darker then too yeah yeah, yeah <laughs> rainy all the time yeah, there's Lots like a gray smoke. filter on everything yeah. yep uh <laughs> no but yeah that that one just like that plus like the religious element to it really uh Really sold it as being all around creepy to me. Nice. Also, goats. Jesus, I don't like goats. <laughs> At least in creepy movies. So in person, in person, they're really not that bad. But like, it's really easy to make a goat look scary. Paul, go ahead. <laughs> my final pick. I won't spend much time on because I want to get to my honorable mention based on my experience. For some reason, The Conjuring is my final pick. Nice. Just based on its. Solid movie. I think it sets the the tone for good movies for its time. Um, everyone and just the entire plot. I mean, how many Conjuring movies have they made from that? Yeah, so, you know what True. I mean. So all the Annabelle movies. They've all just been banking on that amazing first movie. But honorable mention, Mama. If you've seen it, Mm-mm. 
and the and it's not too great of a movie i'll say that but i saw it in theaters and for whatever reason i was having the most like weirdest like petrified panic panic attack for the first like five minutes when nothing was happening <laughs> like literally like the dude is driving i think he like you know you don't see him but i think he like kills himself uh, and the entire movie i just like couldn't move i was just frozen well I, it was really weird experience not a great movie but weird experience god i got a i got an honorable mention that'll knock your socks off you'll be like how did you not put that in your top four you ready okay. for this Halloween Town. So, what button stops the recording? <laughs> <laughs> what is Halloween Town? What? Like kids the, movie, right? The kid movie. I'm looking it up. Disney movie. Yeah, it's like yeah. teenage Sorry. girl finds out her her family has like magic in their genes and there's this whole universe yeah. where there's like witches and wizards and stuff. You Disney coerced. Channel original movie. Okay. What? I feel like you're it's, being put up Disney Channel. Oh no. Chelsea actually encouraged me not to say it. Oh really? <laughs> maybe we, Kane, maybe we should have uh, Chelsea be on the podcast instead yeah. then. Um, <laughs> the only honorable mention I'd have is Silent Hill. Nice. Um, mm. Pretty pretty mediocre movie, but it did a lot for me. It's where I discovered tornado sirens. Oh, so <laughs> yeah, amazing. Um, well, you guys happy with the draft? I yes. am. Not okay. my best, but I'll live. Um, yeah, horror movies are hard. There's just a lot to pick from. Yeah, and they're all <laughs> very relatively close. Yeah, I think up. we should do like monsters next Ooh. or something like something like uh yeah. If we can think, if there are like sixteen monsters, that we, you know, I'm sure there are, but yeah, or we can do like, I'm getting the thing again, Paul. I'm getting. It so depends up. on the randomizer. Yeah, true. Um, we can do like worst murder, yeah, murder scenes or something. Yeah, the only other thing um, I'd want to add, and it's not related to the podcast. So if anything you guys want to say, podcast related, before we wrap this episode up. And please don't forget that we're recording the draft, so this is the audio that will yeah. go at the end of the episode. Because <laughs> yeah. it seems like I got a, <laughs> railroaded you guys there, no. but I, just, I got nothing. <laughs> okay, cool. Then uh, I just uh, I had kind of a good idea because I want to. I'm getting a thing about getting a customized license plate. Okay. And part of the thing is I want to kind of prevent, like a little bit of preventative. Uh, I don't want to get pulled over. So I want to make it pretty clear that I don't, uh, you know, I don't like criminals, <laughs> criminal activity. But, of course, pretty limited on space. So what do you think if I just got hate crime as a license plate? <laughs> <laughs> I think everybody would understand. <laughs> I don't think it could be more clear. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Sorry. I thought of that at work today. So oh, <laughs> I wanted to sneak that in. Um, I think before we we sign off, I just want to make it known that I I drank way too much during this episode. Like it's, I did it's as well. <laughs> oh, much. me too. I'm hammered. Uh, <clears throat> I was working in the lab late one night when my eyes beheld a 
an eerie sight, for my monster from his slab began to rise. And suddenly, to my surprise, he did the match. He did the monster match. The monster match. It was a graveyard smash. He did the match. It caught on in a flash. He did the match. He did the monster match. Wow. From my laboratory in the castle east wow. to the master bedroom where the vampires feast. Wow. The ghouls all came from their humble abode wow. to get a jolt from my electrode. They did the match. They did the monster match. The monster match. It was a graveyard smash. They did the match. It caught on in a flash. 